with everything going on, it's, I really hope this whole pandemic really sparks a light in everyone to really teach them to take care of your body, right? Don't wait till you're sick. Go into something strong so you come out strong versus going, you know, it's like starting a marathon. If you're not ready for it, you can't finish it. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be? Into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining me today. So today I talked to Dr. Shabby Ashtiani. She is the owner and treating chiropractor at Essence Chiropractic and Wellness in San Antonio, Texas. In this episode, we talk about all things wellness, about the treatments that she offers at her clinic to give people a functional, more comprehensive approach to wellness, and how you can find optimal well-being even if you're not going to her clinic. Dr. Shabby has some great wellness nuggets in this episode I think you'll enjoy. Thanks for listening. Okay, y'all, let's get going. I'm really excited to bring on Dr. Shabby today because we are talking about all things wellness and optimal well-being and what we can all do to get there. So thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Shabby. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I have to say your resume is pretty impressive just with all of the things you've gone to school for and all the certifications that you have. So can you just give kind of an overview of everything that you do to our listeners and kind of where your area of expertise or areas of expertise are. Sure, of course. Okay, so I do have my doctorate in chiropractic. And at our clinic, my specialty, the things I'm certified in is prenatal care, pediatric care, acupuncture, dry needling, and some sports therapy modalities like grass and therapy, some of the myofascial release work. And typically, I think at our practice, what you'll notice is, you know, when people come in, typically it's not your typical chiropractic clinic. Mm -hmm. We try to look for other modalities to use alongside the adjustment and really find what the root cause of the issue is. Mm -hmm. So that way, um, you know, you're getting more of a overall wellness treatment versus just, you know, coming and getting pop bleeding kind of thing. Yeah. So your office is all about kind of that mind-body relationship and using that to maintain optimal health. So just how important is that mind-body connection? Because you do, you take more of like a functional approach, right, than just chiropractic. So what is the importance of that? And then what can we do to strengthen that mind-body connection kind of for wholeness, for optimal health as a whole? Right. Uh, My personal philosophy, I think, is that obviously, you know, people always say that if you think it, you know, you... Mm -hmm. You believe it, you think it, and it comes to life. And it's so true. We see that a lot with, you hear about the placebo effect, right? So you give someone a, a sugar supplement that's not even a drug, you know, it's like a little sugar cube, mm-hmm. and you tell them it's going to fix something, and all of a sudden they're cured. Was right. it were they cured or was it that their mind is so powerful and so strong that, you know, you're able to take care of your body? Oh, now, am I saying this goes for diseases and, you know, big things that actual need medical guidance. No, but when it comes to just overall wellness and building that immunity and keeping that body strong, definitely. So when it comes to that mind body connection, you know, um, I think there's different 
steps in looking at it. One is making sure mentally we're good to go, whether that means you doing meditation, doing yoga, seeing a counselor, a therapist, talking to someone, whatever it takes to be able to um, make sure mentally we're functioning well for ourselves, but also for our family and friends, right? And then that relates back to your body as well and how your organs are functioning. So um, not only is diet affecting that, but mentally that's affecting it too. So if you're under a lot of stress, your hormones are going to be out of whack, right? So you not only are your hormones affecting it now, you're probably not going to be eating well because you're going to be stress eating. So there's so many different factors that really go into it. So that mind-body connection, it's sure you can be stressed and it hurts your body, but then if it's that domino effect, it starts affecting other things as well, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, no, for huh. sure. Yeah, so it's, I always try to, or, you know, tell my patients, really take care of yourself. Self-care is like one of the biggest things I think I always preach and always talk about. It's, it doesn't have to be going shopping and buying a purse for yourself. It can just be taking a bath, right? Someone watching your kiddos and you just having 30 minutes, Yeah, maybe a glass of wine, maybe, uh, you know, just sitting outside in the grass and getting some sun. <laughs> Whatever that means to you about taking care of you and having that personal time, I think it's so important. So you take that approach, right, mentally, and then physically, you being active. It doesn't have to be you going to a CrossFit class or you going, joining a gym, but then maybe that is what it takes for you, right? Whatever that means for you to be active. That's what I always tell my patients. It's always activity we look for. So if walking is active, it's, you know, it means you're more active, then great, go walking. Is you taking a yoga class? Are you taking a bar class? Are you taking a spin class? Great, go take that class, right? Something that gets you active more than your typical day would be. So if it means just starting with parking a little further and walking to the grocery store, you know, taking extra steps and that's how you start your activity, great, let's start it that way. I always try to tell patients, don't go to the extreme. If you're not working out, don't all of a sudden join a CrossFit gym right. and then hurt yourself, yeah. you know. <laughs> you're causing more damage, not physically, but also even emotionally, right? Because now you're comparing yourself to everybody else. Why do I look like this? Why can't I do that? So then it's just, again, it's knowing where you're at and giving yourself grace and just taking baby steps and getting to your end goal. So um, that activity is important as well, right? So activity physically, it's affecting your weight, your mood, your appearance, right? But then going back to that mood aspect of it, it is affecting you mentally too. So there's that aspect. But then the next thing would be like eating healthy. Right. So making sure that we're watching the junk we're putting into our um, system, in our bodies and our system. Is it OK to have a burger here? There, of course. You know, is it OK to have a pizza here? There, of course, because then you see people who are so strict, they're just not happy either. Right. Because now they're eating this plain diet that they don't enjoy and their body's not absorbing it. So I don't like to call it a cheat day. I just say just you know, be conscious of what yeah, you're eating. Right. <laughs> so um, if you enjoy pasta, that's okay. Just watch it in moderation, right? Um, add other things to it that are also healthy. So make sure you're, instead of, you know, eating ice cream every night, make sure maybe you eat fruit, right? You switch it up and maybe you make your own little smoothie instead that also can be sweet if you have a sweet tooth. Or, you know what I mean? Just finding alternative ways of right. getting that craving in. But food's really important. So making sure you're getting the right nutrients from your diet, I think that's really, really key because gut health is so, so important. That gut is, I see it so many times in my colicky babies, in my babies with ADHD and kids with autism, controlling that diet, you know, really minimizing that sugar intake 
It's so, so, so important. Um, So there's just so many components to that mind-body connection and just really that wellness overall that I think you would just think, oh, wellness is working out or wellness is just dieting. You know, I always tell people, don't get on a diet. A diet is what you eat. So a squirrel's diet is nuts, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So your diet is the foods that you typically eat. It shouldn't be a fad or something that you do for six weeks and then you're done with it. Something that you sustain and a you're able to sustain it. That's the main thing, right? If it's something that you can't keep up with and you know that, oh, next month I'm going to go visit my family, I can't keep up with this, it's probably not the best thing for you to be doing that then. Right. And you do a lot of nutrition, like consultations and nutrition testing at your clinic. So, and I know you do some testing for foods that trigger chronic inflammation. So how do you help your patients deal with that? So how do you how does food sensitivity lead to chronic inflammation? And then how do we know? And then what, we, what can we do about it? So typically when someone comes in for a nutrition consult, um, we'll take their, I have them come in with a two-week food diary. That way we can see what they're eating. I always tell them, don't change it up. Try <laughs> <laughs> to eat perfect for me because then it kind of defeats the purpose right. of finding out what's causing the problems, right? right. You just write down everything you're eating, whether um, it's food, supplements, smoothies, anything that's going inside your body, write it down. So a lot of times before even testing gets done, we can see it from their yeah. food bottle. Yeah. So that's one. Two, physically, just from my training in school, like there are certain signs the body shows that you can see as well, right? Whether it's like the nails, you, the nail beds you look at, whether it's their eyes, whether it's just the skin, their lips, right? How dry lips are tongue. They're just different aspects of the body that you can look at to see, okay, there's some nutrition deficiencies or this person's under a lot of inflammation. And that inflammation part, unfortunately, we see a lot of that. Like I see so many people with inflammatory issues. And so it depends. So let's say you come into our office, you want to do testing because testing typically is not covered by insurance. So then people get a little... Mm -hmm iffy about it, um, which is totally understanding. And I always tell my patients, you know, um, because we don't upcharge the testing either. Like we usually put your card with the testing company and you pay them, you don't even pay us just because it's already pricey. So I always tell patients um, there's different approaches. We can start with the test if you're ready for it and we can get the results and kind of go from there. Or if you're not, you know, wanting to pay that much right now, which is fine, we can kind of take it a little bit slower, meaning we'll go with process of elimination, right? So you bring in your diary and we kind of go over, find out what's been going on. I'll go over your past medical as well to see if there's any kind of trends, right? If there's anything within your family that's been going on, anything with you, even little things that people don't think of. And it's like, oh, wait, these two connect. So we'll go over that. And then from there, we'll start, I always start someone on basic supplements. So meaning I put everyone on a pro and prebiotic. So that's like the first thing, gut health again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's the first thing. So even if you don't want the test or you do, like gut health. So we get on that probiotic. After that, I two of my favorite anti-inflammatories are CBD and turmeric. So you can take both. You can take one depending on your personal philosophy, right, of what you like, what you don't like. <laughs> um, there's some iffy stuff in there. So I would recommend either one to the patients. And then I always let them know an anti-inflammatory diet is good it can be hard to sustain. So I think the big thing with an anti-inflammatory diet is increasing your fruits and veggies again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's typically so, what you're telling people for anti-inflammatory to just eat more fruits and veggies. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what it comes down to. So even if it's hard to eliminate some of the other stuff, it's like, okay, at least 
up your fruit. Right, right. right? Yeah. Up your greens, up your, like, I always tell people, um, look for the rainbow. So when you eat fruits and veggies, just make it colorful, right? So don't always get green grapes. Maybe get some red grapes and then put some cucumber in there for the green instead, right? When you get plums, there's different color plums. There's red plums and black plums. There's green plums, you know? Like, switch it up. So even if you eat the same thing, like, switch up the colors because that does make a huge difference in your diet, too. You're getting different types of nutrients from these fruits and the different colors of their fruits. Yeah. And I think what I always try to do, too, because we see so many families at our office, I try to teach my kids that. Don't make something for yourself and make something else for your kids. The something you eat, make sure your kids eat because then it's great way instead of this is what you're eating this is what we're eating diet yes yes they start looking at it like what does that mean you're on a diet but then too then they start looking at their food like why am i being forced to eat this kind of thing instead of just making one thing like we all eat this because this is what's healthy right and there's no other option like there is no i don't like this right right yeah yeah this is the norm and I think the main thing is making sure what you eat becomes the norm for your family. Yeah. So the testing, so I got a little off track. No, testing. <laughs> so we can do like ALCAT testing and check for food sensitivities. So I always tell patients, it's not going to be checking for allergies. We're checking for sensitivities. There's different categories on depending on what all you're looking for. Are you looking for just food sensitivities? Are you looking for mold? Are you looking for uh, preservatives, dyes? There's all these things that it can check for. So it just depends on how aggressive you want to get about it. Then we can get the results and see what's going on. We draw the blood in office ourselves. I can draw it, and then my assistant also can draw. We both are certified. So we can do that. And then we spin it in-house as well, and then we just send it out. So we have everything there. But, you know, the testers, they're great for someone who's very adamant about wanting to know exactly Yeah. Do you find though when, so like say somebody doesn't want to get tested and you just do kind of your like elimination diet type thing, do you find that in most cases like doing the probiotic and like either the CBD turmeric and then just the anti-inflammatory diet, does that typically fix the issues? Yeah. There's a few things sometimes we'll eliminate from their diet. Sometimes we see people who have a lot of dairy intake, minimizing that. The number one thing, it's, it's really hard to go cold turkey on something, yeah. right? So say don't eat any dairy, that's for someone who eats cheese every day, that's kind of hard to do. So, and that's another part at, at my office, I always tell patients, I'm never going to go cold turkey on you on something because I know you won't do it. Right. right. <laughs> I'll just get disappointed and then you yeah. probably won't come back. Right. So be more practical about it. So the main thing I always start with is, okay, let's cut the milk out, right? You can still do the yogurts. You can still do the cheese. Cut milk out. See how much difference that makes. If we notice a huge difference, excellent. If we're not noticing a big difference and we still need to cut more out, then we kind of go from there. Majority of the time when we cut just the milk out, that itself kind of gets yeah. a lot of issues. So that helps increasing the water intake. You'd be surprised. <laughs> totally. I tell that to my, I'm not even a doctor. I tell that to my clients all the time. It's like, it's life changing. Like just drink some water. <laughs> Yes, and it's people think they drink enough water. That's the yes, thing. Like, yes, yeah, I drink plenty, and I'm like, okay, what's plenty? Exactly, to find <laughs> that. Exactly. You know, not just the diet-wise with inflammation, but just your skin, your hair. I mean, it makes you go to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, oh, I haven't gone in three days. I'm like, hmm, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, like let's increase that water. Your let's lubricate your intestines. You know. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. 
In terms of your chiropractic care, because I know there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And I know for me, like I've had a not so great experience with chiropractors before. So can you talk a little bit about like, because you're right, like what you said at the beginning, it's not just about going and getting popped and then you leave, right? So can you talk more about like the deeper benefits? Because I read an article not too long ago that was even talking about like getting a chiropractic adjustment can help with your immune system. So can you talk to like the broader benefits of chiropractic care? Of course. So the main thing uh, I always tell patients is we look for mobility. That's our thing, right? So when people come in and they're like, I seem to be popped, I always joke with them. I start popping my knuckles. I'm like, okay, look, I can pop my knuckles. That doesn't mean I got adjusted, right? (laughs) All that pop is gas being released from the joints, right? That's really all that means. Now, if I were to adjust you, could you hear a pop? Definitely, right? If there's gas within those joints, you can definitely hear it. But it doesn't mean it always has to happen. So with our kiddos, because their joints aren't fully uh, fused yet, right, we don't hear any popping. So I always try to tell patients or the parents bringing their babies in, there's no popping, there's no cracking, there's no twisting when it comes to pediatric adjustments, especially kiddos under the age of four, you're not really going to hear anything. And the techniques are going to be really different. So the manual adjustment I would do, for example, on you would definitely not be the same thing I would do on an infant. On infants, we do a lot more sustained contact. For example, for my pediatric training, I took 200 extra hours of classes outside of school. Wow. Um, it's not even, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, my old car used to see kids or, yeah, I saw on this website they see kids, which is yeah. fine. Everyone can, right? Um, but at the same time, it's, are they going to do the same exact thing on you that they do on your baby and they do on your husband and they do on your grandma? <laughs> you know, that, that's the part that it's always concerning. It's not about just doing an adjustment, but understanding why are you doing it, right? What is our goal with it? So, for example, when kiddos come in, it's not just the adjustment they're getting with us. They're coming in and sure, will they get adjusted? More than likely. But are they coming in and we're teaching them um, exercises? You know, so if you bring a baby in, um, even like with my little one I just have, you know, with him, um, there's exercises that I do with him on a daily that, for example, these are the stuff I teach the parents to do at home with their kiddos. So not only are these things helping with, for example, digestion, getting rid of gas, things like that, it's also teaching the little ones right brain, left brain connection patterns. So that way we're always thinking that end goal. I always do this with my pregnant patients and with the kiddos, it's that end goal. So with the little ones, when an infant comes in, we think of milestones and we think of what's happening next, right? So when they're first born, not much is happening, right? But then after that, they start getting stronger with their grip strength, right? And then after that, they start um, rolling from side to side. After that, they start pulling themselves up and then they start hopefully crawling and then eventually walking. So these are things we're looking for biomechanically of making sure that the pelvis is moving well and making sure that the babies are able to hit those milestones appropriately instead of falling behind. And my thing is, it's I don't like just the basic of, okay, at this age, this is when they should be doing it. Why not sooner, right? Why not get them going and moving and being active sooner? So if we start teaching them, for example, if we do bicycles with the kiddos, Sure, is that helping with getting the gas out? Definitely. But is that also teaching them eventually for crawling, right? Because they're already getting that motion of the legs going back and forth, left and right. And as the kids get older, we start combining arms into it and bringing the arms in and down with it. So at each stage, we start doing different types of exercises with them. And we even put them on an exercise ball and start doing tummy time and different things on the ball as well. And all of that goes into knowing that, okay, why are we doing this? Or we're trying to strengthen their muscles, right? We're trying to work on making sure they're holding their own heads up, 
So a lot of times parents will say, oh, they hate being on the floor. They mm-hmm. hate being coming. So it's finding alternative ways. So again, it's not just the adjustment we're doing, right? We're going back and teaching their little muscles mm-hmm. how to activate and which proper muscles to activate and when to activate. So that's that. And then also with the little ones, I think I spend the most time in my treatments. It's with the babies um, just because we do that. And then we also do a lot of nutrition as well. So especially when a baby comes in who's colicky or who hasn't gone to the bathroom in a while or who's um, has a lot of reflux, I always tell the patients, like, I'm not curing any of that, right? We're just assisting and finding out what is the issue. Is the issue that mom's diet, she's breastfeeding and her diet is irritating the baby's stomach? Okay, so then we go back to mom. Okay, what is mom eating? And we put mom on supplements, right, to correct that. And then we watch the effect on baby. Now, how did that change? That changed the baby's stool. That changed baby's screaming. <laughs> that changed baby's sleep pattern, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of factors, I think, that goes into that treatment that I really want someone to understand. It's not just one thing, right? It's not just you coming in and getting adjusted or you coming in doing a nutrition consult, but understanding that when you combine all of these, right, you get that overall effect. So now when it comes to adults or like a pregnant patient that comes in and it comes to adjustments, you always ask, why do pregnant people need to get adjusted? And it's, well, the pelvis is changing, right? Your hormones are changing. You have relaxin kind of loosening everything up to make sure that baby fits inside the pelvis. But because it's loosening everything up, nothing is being able to move well. And then patients are coming and saying, I have sciatica, I have back pain, right? Things are hurting. And I always try to find out, is it true sciatica? Because sciatica is nerve irritation, right? Is it a nerve irritation or is it the joints aren't moving well and now they're stuck? And every time you move, because of biomechanics, again, right? Things just aren't moving well. So um, we find out what's going on. The adjustment, again, mobilizes, right? We mobilize the joints to make sure they're able to move the way they should be moving. We teach some of the moms some stretches and exercises, simple stuff that they can even do in bed. Again, we try to be practical about this because, again, during pregnancy, everyone's different. Some people work out every day, which I'm like, props to you. That wasn't me. (laughs) When I was pregnant, like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. Like, I don't know how people work out all the time. (laughs) Finding the basics to guide someone to be able to, they know that they're coming in for the care, but they also can do something at home because I don't want someone to always feel like they're 100% dependent on me. Right. Because once they can't come in, then then what? Right? Then what do they do? So they should, unless they want to come in every day to see me, which is nice, but it's not the end goal, I think, as a, as a doctor. It's I want someone to take care of themselves too, right? So it's you should hold from appointment to the next appointment. You should be able to hold off for that long. And then so when I come, with, come up with like my treatment plan, it's usually based on what's happening. So for a pregnant mom, if I say, okay, between... 14 and 24 weeks, I'm going to see you every week, for example. That's probably because biomechanically, things are shifting in your body. Right. And because of your hormones between those weeks, again, things are just shifting in a certain way that that's why I put those times. And usually if a patient's like, oh, it's okay, I'll go two weeks and I'll see you then, they end up calling the week after. They're like, no, actually, I need to come in. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, so I always tell them, I'm like, I don't just do it just to do it. It's usually, you know, there's always a reason yeah. behind it. <laughs> and it's mainly because of what's happening. So for example, that first trimester, I only see them once a month because yeah. not, no, it's more so that nausea, that fatigue, mm-hmm. things that they can take care of or manage at home, right? And then after that, they go to biweekly and then we go to weekly. 
And again, it's because baby's getting bigger. Right. So always take it back to what is actually happening and what are we trying to do to assist with that? So like at our clinic, I see a lot of healthy people. <laughs> and I think the main thing is, is patients are learning, even if they're not so healthy coming in, but then they end up, you know, crossing that line because they start understanding why they're coming in. Yeah. Right. So initially, if they're hurting, they're coming in, we get a little bit more aggressive with the treatment of like, okay, I want to see you, for example, once a week for four weeks or twice a week for two weeks. Let's get aggressive, find out why is that shoulder hurting, right? Address the problem. And then from there, we start backing off because now I want you to be able to take care of that yourself, right? You to be able to sustain whatever we just did to hold on it, right? Instead of it constantly like, oh, it hurts again. Oh, it hurts again. Oh, it hurts again. Kind of like an Advil, right? You take yeah. Advil, your head is gone. But then once it wears off eight hours later, the headache Right. don't ever want it to be like that. So I don't know how to, I guess, talk about. Yeah, no, that was good. What you said was, that makes sense. So let's look at, because another thing you offer at your clinic, you do acupuncture and dry needling. Can you talk about the difference between the two of those? Yeah. So acupuncture is the philosophy of traditional Chinese medicine, right? So um, with that they believe that there are different meridians, channels throughout the body, different points, you could say, throughout the body where we insert these needles. So there's specific points within the body that these needles are actually inserted, and they don't go that deep either. They're a little bit more superficial. So for example, you coming in saying, I have a headache, there's actual formulas that it's been created over the years, that if you connect these certain points, it helps with alleviating your symptoms, right? Versus dry needling, we're taking that needle and inserting into the muscle, the belly of the muscle, or a trigger point. So, for example, if you come in and you have a huge knot, right, I'm going to find where that is, and then we'll put that needle in there, and it goes a lot deeper than it would with acupuncture. There's different ways of approaching that one. You can either put it in and constantly move that needle, kind of like take it in and out a little bit. You can leave it and just let it be, or you can connect to a stem unit and then have the um, stem unit activate it, and it'll um, release the tension in there. When you connect it to a stem unit, it increases endorphin release, so it kind of speeds up the recovery process. What I like to do for, depending on the condition, so again, if it's a musculoskeletal condition, like you coming in saying, my traps are really tight, my upper back hurts, I like to combine acupuncture and dry needling. So usually I won't just do one or the other. I found in practice when I combine the two, I get better results than when I just do one or the other. Now, the only time that I typically will just do just acupuncture, that's usually for my pregnant patients. Just because one, they can't have the stem just because of the baby. But they're the only ones that I'll just do straight acupuncture. Besides that, when it's, again, if it's a shoulder injury, knee, hip, low back, anything like that, I usually like to combine the two. So I'll, you know, I'll follow the formula that says, okay, this is for back pain, but then I'll still get into the glutes or different types of muscles and we'll put the needles and we'll connect it to the stem. So I kind of will do all of it. And you're usually on the needles for about 30 minutes or so. Between 25 and 30 minutes, we'll have you lay there with the needles on being activated. Okay. So how did you find this path? What was kind of the path that led you onto this, like your kind of underlying purpose for getting into this, the wellness field? Yeah. So undergrad, I was pre-med. I was a bi major. And halfway through, I was like, and I want to be a pediatrician. I always wanted to work with kids. And I think halfway through, I was like, wait a minute. 
I don't want to write prescriptions forever. <laughs> like I'm very hands-on. Yeah. So and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's not, I think, my calling. I want to do something that, again, I talk with my hands, I think. <laughs> when I treat, I, you know, I like to use my hands. I'm very hands-on. And I was like, okay, I don't think this is the profession for me. Yeah. Uh, my dad's like, nope, you're still getting that bi degree. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, guess there's no change. So, so I still finished my degree. Yeah. Went and got my master's. I got my master's in health promotion and kinesiology. And while I was getting my master's, I did a couple, what do you call them? Internships with UT Health and Science Center where we would go and do wellness workshops for businesses in San Antonio. So, for example, a law firm would ask us to come in and we put on like a six-week program for them. And it was mainly so that it would help their premium, their insurance company, right? So that people are healthier and they're not paying as much. Right. So we would teach them about diet, exercise, but then we'd also make a challenge for them. So like, okay, like losing inches and eating healthy and things like that. And we'd coach them through this. As I was doing that, I met a friend who had applied to Kyra School. And he was like, well, have you considered this? I was like, well, not really. I looked at DO, but I hadn't even like thought about Cairo because the only thing I personally knew about Cairo was um, car accidents. That was like my only experience I personally had ever had was I got an accident one time. They called me and said I should go see a chiropractor. <laughs> I went for like a few weeks. They told me to, and then that was it. Right. <laughs> Literally the only experience I've ever had. And I was like, that's not what I want to do. And he's like, no, there's definitely more to it. Just go visit the campus and then, you know, let me know what you think. So there's two schools in Texas. There's one in Dallas and one in Houston. So naturally, I went to Houston just because I didn't want to deal with the snow of Dallas. <laughs> so I went and took a tour, and I was actually very shocked with how little I knew of chiropractic. Because my thing was, okay, I still want to use my master's and my bachelor's. You know, I didn't spend all this money and time to just throw it out the window. So um, when I was to campus, took a tour. They gave us a tour of their anatomy lab which is really fascinating because I didn't even realize that chiropractors like went that much into the science aspect of things. So for example, for the first year and a half in your anatomy class where you actually dissect cadavers. Oh, so wow. you have, yeah, you have a whole cadaver for your, like, so each group has one. And the first semester you start with just the muscles. So you start with the back, the legs, the arms, and then the second semester you start going into, so each semester you get deeper and deeper into the body. So you get into um, a different system. So your second try, you're doing cardiovascular, you're doing the gut, we do the reprocess, right? You get into everything. And then the third, you, second, you get into neuro, but then the third, it's just neuro. So just the brain and following all the tumors and all the pathways and things like that. So like that even shocked me of like, oh, never, you know, just didn't think this, this was part of the Cairo care. And then, just a different, you know, the first year is very similar to medical and dental field. We still have to take all the same basics, microbiology, pathology. I mean, you know, like we still take all the main things. For example, my brother, he's a dentist. And when he was in dental school, we had the same exact first year classes, except I had spinal anatomy along with regular anatomy. He had dental anatomy no way. along with regular anatomy. So everything is still the same because you still have to take all the basics. Right, right. right. And then your second year, you start getting into a little bit more, you take, you still have some of the basics, but they're like level twos, but then you start taking your intros to chiropractic. And then your third year, it's all, you know, um, your specialty classes. And 
Yeah. So this is the campus. I was very shocked by it. They also, um, your last year there, you start, you work in clinics. So you start with student clinic where you're treating students and faculty and you go to outpatient clinic. Once you finish that, then you can start applying to external clinics. So um, when I was there, for example, I worked at, there was a center for a shelter for abused moms and kids. So like I did a rotation there, I did one at U of H in Clear Lake, did one at Rice University. And then once I finished those, I actually applied to do some with some MDs. So I worked with a neurologist. I did one with a PM&R doctor who does injections. And the main thing with working with other providers is so that when a patient comes in, I can better explain to them, right, like their options. So it's not that I'm just saying, oh, I read in a book that if you get an injection, this is what happens. Like, oh, I actually shadowed someone and worked with someone for six weeks and this is the procedure and these are the processes, right? This is, this is what happens. And this is also how it works with an insurance as well, right? So before you get surgery, you have to do alternative healthcare first. You have to do your rehab first right. and then you can qualify for surgery. And then after surgery, you still have to do rehab, right? So just being able to kind of explain the different approaches. Yeah, so that's really, um, I guess, how it all kind of happened. And then when I was in school, I realized, oh, you can actually specialize in stuff. So um, that's when I joined our pediatric group and then I started taking the pediatric classes so my pediatric classes were on top of school and then even acupuncture was another 100 hours on top of school as well so all the stuff that I'm certified and licensed in they're all additional to just you know my basic degree that's a lot <laughs> you've done a lot yeah I think a lot of it to the stuff I'm certified in are things I had done as a patient yes yeah. I tore my left shoulder and I remember every ortho I saw was like, you're too young. I'm not doing surgery on you. If I do surgery, then you can't do this. And you can't, you know, everyone was too afraid to do anything. And then when I hurt my wrist, same thing. I saw four different orthos and they all gave me different diagnoses. Yeah. And the only thing they would do was just steroid injections, which at the time was like, okay, if that's all you can do, let's, let's do it. But then, you know, it didn't do anything. It's a problem. Yeah, I didn't have a problem. Yeah, especially because they all were giving me different diagnosis. They're all infecting different things. <laughs> and then I remember one of them was like, okay, we'll do surgery. But then I was like, wait, but none of the other doctors are going to do appealing. Yeah. That's when, so I got like, for example, for my wrist and my shoulder, I got grass done, which is on my fascial therapy. I did at the office. And again, did it fix the torn shoulder? Of course not. Right. I always tell patients, it's not like you're going to come in. I'm going to fix that for you. But are we going to manage the pain? Yes. Right. That's our key is managing your pain, making sure that we're stabilizing it. And then you can do your daily activities. Right. I always ask patients, what is your end? If they're like, oh, I want surgery. It's like, okay, that's okay. But now I know how to kind of manage your treatment plan versus someone who says, I don't want surgery. What can we do conservatively? Yeah. What? Do you find sound that you've, I and mean, it sounds like you kind of found your purpose like pretty early on. So what inspires you now? I think in practice. So when I was, after I graduated, I worked in Houston for a year and I worked at a regular clinic, you know, no specialty or anything. And then I always knew I wanted my own clinic. So when I came to San Antonio and I opened up my clinic, I was still seeing everyone, which I still do. But little by little, I start seeing more and more pregnant moms. And moms talk, moms love to talk. <laughs> so, and I think that itself is what really grew the clinic is yeah. one mom telling her friend or telling her sister or telling her cousin. And 
So right now I would say 70% of my practice is pregnant moms yeah. and kiddos, which is really neat and fascinating. And I think that's where my biggest passion has been, I would say. It's really being able to, because they're all so different, right? Yeah. So I can have a mom who was C-section the first time and comes back and wants a V-back. And so now, you know, I'm part of her team and our goal is to, okay, what can we do to get you that V-back, right? Or you have a mom who comes in and says, I had the worst first labor. I was in labor for 36 hours, you know, this, this, this. I don't want to repeat that again. What can we do, right? So when all these people come back and tell you their stories and you know that you're part of that team that helped make that change for them, like that sparks this light inside you of like, this is awesome. Like you were able to help this person achieve something that's so special to them, right? Being pregnancy is such a unique experience and each one is so different, right? So when you can help someone who's hurting a lot or just wants a different path in a story, I think that's what really helps me keep that passion, just mo- yeah. keep going, I guess you could yeah, say, yeah. you know? Or, you know, having someone come in with a baby screaming bloody murder 24-7 and it's finding out why. Why is this happening? The hardest part, I think, with little ones is having that patience, right? And then the parents also having that patience of, like, understanding, okay, like, I'm not going to give your child a drug and that's going to put them to sleep or make the screaming stop. But understanding that it's going to take some time, but as long as you stick with it, trust the process, you know, Hopefully we can make some change for yeah. you and the baby. Yeah. But when we see those changes, I think that's what just keeps me so motivated. And I, like, I want to do more because it's yeah. just like, I'm barely seeing that many. You know, it's, it's one of those, it's like, there's so many pregnant people everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's true. And it's like, well, just pregnancy one, but then postpartum, right? It's like, you have the baby and then everyone forgets about the mom. Exactly. Yeah, right? it's like a whole other journey. Yeah, people come visit you, but they're not visiting you. Everyone's coming to see the baby. The baby, yes. They're like, okay, I'm still here. Hello. (laughs) And then you can get to care about, like, take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because now it's just feeding the baby, whether it's your breastfeeding, formula feeding, whatever it is, it's all about the baby. Yeah. And you start, your back starts hurting. Your low back starts hurting. Your upper back starts hurting. You're not sleeping. You're getting headache, right? All these things are happening. But again, you're still not taking care of yourself. Right. So then domino effect right it just goes on so baby's growing getting older a toddler now but you still have all these things from years of building up and building up and building up so again it doesn't have to be just a pregnant mom that comes in right I think any mom any female that comes in mm-hmm. <laughs> needs some PLC, you know yeah. and it's finding out how can we help them yeah I love that and where can people find out about your clinic and everything you're doing there so they can feel Ways. You can go on our website, which is essence-chiro.com. You can follow us on Instagram. I think the handle is Essence Cairo SA. And it's the same thing for Facebook as well. I try to post on there several times a week. You can always send us a message on Facebook, Instagram. You can call our office. You can text our office. You can email our office. You can go on the website and submit a request form for us to reach out to you. So there's multiple ways of trying to get in contact with us. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And I like to end with one last question that I like to ask everybody, a little bit of a deeper question. What do you think is the most important thing people can do or the most important change they can make to live with purpose? What they can do or what they can change? So Either, again. whichever one, and you can apply it to what you do. 
so you say live with purpose, right? What, what does that mean? Because that means something different to everyone, whether you're a mom, right? Whether you're single, whether you're um, a grandparent, whether you're a 12-year-old, you know, in seventh grade. I think you taking care of you, right, is the most important thing, especially, for example, just as a female, right? We're just talking about moms. It's if you don't take care of you, then who's going to take care of your family, right? Because it starts with you. You take care of your kids. You take care of your husband. You take care of everybody. So if you're not healthy, then what happens, right? So if you want that purpose in life is I want to be there for my kids and I want to be there for my family and I want to be there for this, this, and that. Well, if you're not healthy, you can't do any of that, right? right? So it starts with you and making sure that you're taken care of. Again, whether that's emotionally you're taken care of, physically you're taken care of, financially you're taken care of, whatever that means, I think that self-care is truly important. Yeah, I agree completely. I love that. Perfect. All right, Dr. Shabby, thank you so much for just talking about all of these. I really hope that this is going to send a lot of people your way because I feel like you are like the wellness queen. I mean, you're doing all things self-care wellness. So I hope that it's, and people are getting a lot out of this for sure, especially now. Like we all need a little bit of self-care. <laughs> With everything going on, it's, I really hope this whole pandemic really sparks a light in everyone to really teach them to take care of your body, right? Yeah. Don't wait till you're sick. Exactly. Yeah. Go into something strong so you come out strong versus going, you know, it's like starting a marathon. If you're not ready for it, you can't finish it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I agree completely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.